This is Rico Renzi, colorist of Spider-Gwen and Squirrel Girl, and you are listening to Ultimate Spin. My name is Gwen Stacy. I went to a science demonstration, got bitten by a radioactive spider, and now have these amazing powers. To the residents of New York, I'm the dangerous vigilante called Spider-Woman. But you know me as Spider-Gwen. Now let's find out what I've been up to. Are you ready? Because it's time for the ultimate spin. Hey there, true believers. This is Brian, and thank you for downloading episode 28 of Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast specifically for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. In our second episode for March 2016, we'll talk about Radioactive Spider-Gwen issue number six, which sees the return of artist Robbie Rodriguez, the conclusion of the Greater Power arc, and a final battle that goes in a surprising direction. My name is Jack, and later in this episode, we'll also tell you how you can win a really cool Mary Jane's variant cover for this issue. And don't forget to check out our website, ultimatespinpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show, find all of our show notes, catch up with our archives of older episodes, and of course, get in touch with us as well. Our show is by fans and for fans, meaning that we'd love to hear what you think of these characters and their books. Drop us a line and join in the conversation. So, let's get into it, Brian. Yes. You are the master of the recap, <laughs> as is your, your title. That I've, uh, I, I give everybody nicknames. If you've ever heard my other podcast, you may know this already. Um, the master of the recap. Take it away, sir. Give us a 30-second hit for Radioactive Spider-Gwen number All right. six. Let's hit it. Radioactive Spider-Gwen number six sees the conclusion of the greater power arc. Gwen figures out her sense of purpose and wakes up to save Captain America from a drug-crazed Harry-Lizard-Goblin hybrid. Instead of a full-on battle royale, Spider-Woman and the Green Goblin actually talk it out. Harry disappears, Cap and Spider-Woman part on good terms, and George confirms for everyone that it's time to move on from the death of Peter Parker. Nicely done, sir. Yeah, I did. This one This one was a pretty surprising issue. I did not see it going that way. Yeah, uh, we're so used to things being so action-packed in comics. So what, what, how did you feel about the, the initial kind of intro and the battle and things like that in general? Especially coming off of the previous issue with Chris Vision's artwork, it's a dramatic change to come back to Robbie. It's familiar. It's an interesting opening sequence with these panels. Like everything is kind of hazy because it's a dream sequence, sort of, for Gwen. Getting those kind of reassurances from Aunt May and from her dad and from Jessica Drew, and like that snaps her back into action. They've all been mentor figures for her. Yeah. And I like that. And that's what brings her back in. And all these awesome elements are there. You have Cap ready to take down the rogue agent. You have Gwen trying to save her friend. Harry is really freaking out and he's whacked out on drugs. It's all set for this explosive payoff. And then Cap gets sidelined almost right away. Yeah. I I did not see that coming. And I do want to call out that panel with the explosion, the boom. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And there's some softer colors on there. Yeah. I'd be interested to see Rico Renzi, who, of course, you guys interviewed on the show a couple of weeks ago, how he tackled that particular thing. Because like you said, it feels we've obviously got the kind of signature pinks and, and oranges and stuff like that of this series. But a lot of explosions in comics are kind of these big jagged lines and stuff like that. And it's kind of more of a softer kind of thing is yeah i think it's the the good word to use there but the fact that that panel is just that word i just absolutely love that i think the the sound effects in this series have been absolutely amazing we don't give enough shout out to clayton cowles the letterer as well who does some amazing work with the fight scenes here with like crack and wham and all that sort of and the thoom thoom and things like that they're going (laughs) on in the background as well we actually learned when we spoke to robbie last year robbie does those 
because I, I know some colorists will end up doing that. Some mm. artists will end up doing that. And then you get kind of like mixture of the two where, so for example, Clayton would, when Harry loses his arm, right. the kind of rah that he does, that's clearly part of the lettering. And then like you said, you get Robbie doing the stuff where it's kind of more integrated into the art, like the boom and the kind of action scenes there as well. I really, really love Harry and that moment where he says, I'm still in control. And you're like, huh, okay, he's coming back around. And it's like, no, wait, he's still in control of the glider. That's what he <laughs> means. It's like you, you have that brief moment of hope of like, oh, Harry's going to come back around. And then, no, he's still completely out of control and, and not with it at all, in fact. The one cool thing about sidelining Captain America is it does give Spider-Woman the opportunity to pick up the shield, which seems to be a theme this month. I mean, we just talked about it last week with miles doing yeah. that and then sure enough the <laughs> captain america trailer comes out so we now have every spider character except for miguel pretty much yeah, <laughs> carrying captain america shield it's the thing to do yeah yeah and there is a cap 2099 in that series so maybe it's only a matter of time in fact i haven't read this week's issue so maybe he did pick it up in there and it's all just a big conspiracy theory <laughs> <laughs> But those are some of my favorite panels with her holding the shield. Really dark and dramatic with the shield being the focal point of those frames. I really, really love the panel where they just like sit alone together and, and touch heads and he administers the anti-mutagen and they just have that really quiet, silent panel at the bottom of that page. And it's just this kind of really sweet, kind of quiet moment that doesn't often happen in superhero comics. Yeah, it's a surprising moment of calm in an otherwise pretty frenetic book exactly yeah i mean we've talked about how fast-paced this book is previously even to its fault at times that that's been like the main thing that people have had a problem with in this series but this one i feel really paces itself really nicely as i mentioned that moment where they kind of embrace and have the quieter moments there you can really kind of tell we didn't have gwen in the last issue at all as we talked about and now having robbie back on and his incredible emotions that he can convey with his facial expressions and stuff like that the kind of fear and confusion in Harry and then the kind of solemn hope and pride in Gwen's face as well. It's just incredible stuff from Robbie. Really, really great stuff. I think for me, the, it really paid off in the final scene with uh, George and Gwen. It's such a warm scene Absolutely. anyway. But there's a, there's a real sense of playfulness in the banter, but then their faces, their acting really sells it as well. The amount of eye rolling that's going on in that <laughs> yeah. scene is kind of classic teenage daughter hanging out with her dad kind of moment, I guess. <laughs> so I want to talk about the actual fight or the, I should say, the non-fight that happens with Harry and Gwen and the ideas that they're talking about, because the arc is called Greater Power. And you have these ideas that were being kind of outlined in the, in the beginning with the, the sort of dream sequence. And now it all comes to a head here. What did you make of their conversation and Gwen telling harry that you know what your reasons were a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's funny that they kind of came to address that because i wasn't as you mentioned it was a surprising ending to this fight because it's been harry's motivation that i've had a problem with this whole time it's always felt kind of disingenuous on his part and he's always said like oh, I'm, I'm trying to do what's best and blah 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 but it's never felt genuine to me and for for Gwen to then say that to his face is such a kind of resonating moment for me. Like, I, I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> well, what about it didn't feel genuine? I don't know. I, I, I've just never felt like 
this this lizard goblin kind of mashup character has never felt particularly interesting. It's not the right word, but it's never particularly resonated with me as a as an important villain. And maybe it should have resonated with me a little bit more. It's been the weak spot of the series for me personally. Apart from the issue when when I first appear um, first appeared on this show and we talked about the the kind of moments when they were playing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. That was the first kind of moment where I cared about Harry Osborn, if that makes sense. Um, but apart from that, when he's actually in lizard form or goblin form or whatever this hybrid creature is, he's always saying he's doing something for the greater good or whatever. But I've never really believed him for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why. How about you? I'm inclined to agree. And I would extend that to even the whole thing with Peter and kind of feeling bad about it and wanting to know more. And that's been the idea in the book. I've never connected to that as a reader. And I was trying Mm. to figure out why as well. And I think because in terms of the plot, a lot of that stuff is in the past. I mean, this book opens, she was already Spider-Woman. She was already doing her thing. Everything had already happened. Yeah, Yeah, we kind of skipped past the origin story, didn't we, really? Right. The origin story is beautifully told in a two-page spread in that Edge of Spider-Verse issue. That's all you needed to know. And wish more books would do that. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I think that's why, like, the introduction of Captain America in this series did the same thing, right? You had that another origin story in two pages, and that's it. And now she's in the now, you're not constantly revisiting her past. So she's more interesting in that respect. So the whole thing with Peter and Harry, it's like, how much can you really get out of it? What mystery was there? And it, it's not really important how he died or even why he died, it's what's happening now. And that, to me, is what the conversation is about, because Peter died, and then all the characters in the book, in some way or another, are affected by that. You think yeah, of it like absolutely. a ripple effect. And so it's like, well, what did they choose to do next? This conversation helped me see what I think was the point of the arc in the first place. Like, why do people do what they do? So for Gwen to say, yeah, that's a, that's a bunch of BS. It's true. It doesn't matter. Like your reasons were you felt bad about being picked on. You wanted to push back. You're, you're push. It's about you. Don't try to assign it, like take responsibility for it. And that's, and when, once I got to that word, it's like, ah, great power, great responsibility. And so hang on with me and see if I can explain this correctly. Uh, my thinking. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. In the same way that he's flipped or Latour has flipped the kind of origin story present day thing, like like doing the present day first and the origin story is kind mm. of in the background. He's flipped power and responsibility. So with great power must also come great responsibility. But this time we're talking about the responsibility part first. And yeah. once you yeah. understand that, Gwen says, well, the truth will set you free. That's what happened to her in those opening panels. She gets it. That's what she's passing on to Harry. It's like, just admit it. You're messed up. You feel down. You did this stuff. Own it. Once you own it, you can move on and be stronger for it. Yeah, and and George has a similar kind of moment at the end there as well, doesn't he, with the truth is no one really cares how or why Peter died. Yeah, and, and, what, and, a, and, what a great bit of meta-commentary, right? Exactly, yeah, 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 absolutely. This book has been surprisingly meta, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, going through and kind of addressing, um, I mean, we talked about that with the Spider-Man number two as well, with an almost fourth wall break of the YouTuber commenting on Miles Morales' race and stuff like that. And it seems to be a through line for these kind of spider books to be discussing bigger issues in a very kind of meta way, they literally answer the questions that the readers are asking um, on the page and kind of come to terms with them between the characters. And and it feels 
that side of it feels very genuine. Gwen's relationship with George and his kind of anyone can be a cop, but I can only I can be your father kind of moment. And he doesn't need to know the truth because he trusts Gwen enough. And I, and I feel, almost feel like that's enough. That's almost how I feel about the creative team. Then that I don't need to know the origin story anymore. We don't need. We could do a whole six issue arc as so many of the books have done. I trust them that they have, you know, great stories to tell. Whether or not we see the origin story, we don't need to see that for them to tell these amazing stories. And that trust kind of comes with how great these issues have been so far. If that makes sense, it does. And I think once I got it, once I saw these thematic ideas for what they were, like I, I really enjoyed it like that much more. Like, I love this stuff. I'm not going <laughs> to deny that. But it's uh, the other side of it is it can be hard to see this stuff when the book is so also uh, so vibrant and energetic. And there were a lot of details that came up in these past few issues, right? You had missing veterans. You have shadow agencies within S.H.I.E.L.D. You have Captain America. You've got ninjas, Frank Castle. You've got <laughs> corn dogs and the, the Bodega Bandit. There's a lot. When all that fun stuff is is happening, uh, we talked about earlier, like you have to kind of slow down a little bit, which is not easy to do for comic books and certainly a fast-paced one like this. But there's a lot of interesting thematic stuff happening, especially for Spider-Man fans who know all these ideas. This is a cool way to kind of look at them from a different angle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think this book has been surprisingly nuanced and deep in that way in that um, you, you mentioned it in your review on Superior Spider Talk that if you're willing to put in the time and, and really sort of pay attention to the, some, the thematic um, through lines throughout this series, then you really get big payoffs like this moment with George at the end here. And it gets almost gets better with every read, if that makes sense. Yeah. Especially with the art style and things like that. You, you could take this kind of Robbie Rodriguez and, and Rico Renzi bright, colorful, action packed style and not think much of it and think like, yeah, it, it's wham bam exciting superhero fights and whatever but then those heartfelt moments and the fact that it's doing this really interesting thing of flipping the kind of the definitive spider-man thing of with great power there must also come great responsibility flips that on its head and like nobody you could easily not pay attention to that and just read it as a as a normal comic the other thing i I appreciated was in the bio section uh, for this month it's about harry and the Green Goblin, if you want those more specific details, like, okay, well, how did Peter die? That is outlined in the bio. Yeah, yeah. His heart giving out and him getting really angry and just the whole stress thing. It also provided a good summary of the plot threads in this particular arc with regards to Harry. Like, how did, because we were commenting when we were talking, like, how did, like, Harry's a secret agent, super spy, warrior guy now, all of a sudden, how did that happen? And so it does break that down, how he ended up on that path and got to where he is and what happened next for him. So there is a lot to enjoy. It just, it takes a little bit of time and investment. Yeah, I found I read this issue more times through than, than the other issues in this series. And that's not a knock on the other issues at all. I felt I was missing things as I was going through. We talked about that before, like I mentioned, with the fast paced. Was that issue three, I think it was, or four? It was the one with the, the Dungeons & Dragons um, sort of flashback and things like that, mm-hmm. where you almost couldn't keep track of what was going on because it was all happening so quickly. Whereas this one, because it takes its time in the quiet moments we've talked about, then you really stop and slow down and pay attention, and that ends up paying off 
dividends at the end with I mean I, I keep talking about that moment with George and Gwen that's my one of my highlights of the series so far just George's little quips and like did you get Captain America's number for me and stuff <laughs> yeah, like right. that just like oh so good so good I love George Stacy I wish he was more prevalent in other books now that he's so good in this book I like to think that he's friends in this dimension with uh, Earth 65's Earl Tubb from Southern Bastards. <laughs> like, like they, they seem like they'd get along. He's got the goatee. You've got the tour connection there as well. So <laughs> that maybe that's a conscious decision. <laughs> dad strength. Or dad cop strength in this dad. sense. You mentioned Harry's motivation as, as being kind of a sticking point. Anything else that you didn't click with necessarily in this issue? Um, not particularly, really. Um, in general, I think it worked pretty well. I really, really liked how it kind of took a moment in the middle there to kind of, with the passing back of the shield and everything like that, back to Samantha and almost a hint at maybe not a, a Spider-Gwen Avengers, but like a, a future team up as well. Mm-hmm. And I really, really love their kind of instant relationship that they've built up. How about you, Brian? Any any highlights or lowlights for you in general? I mean, the highlights, I, I think we talked about the art and the acting. I got to call out the cover as well. That is an amazing, like, poster-worthy, bright, colorful design with a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, we always have the kind of Neo-Tokyo cityscape going on in the background there, don't we? But I love the way the logo kind of blends into the shield at the top there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the the goblin mask at the bottom and Gwen almost, like, surfing jumping off the top of the the shield there as well which is kind of what happened in the book she i mean it was their fight and she's kind of above it at first exactly yeah yeah yeah. she's kind of they start off the shield is heading towards goblin and then that's gwen kind of diving in the middle there and sort of separating out the two of them and, and kind of dealing with goblin in her own way which perhaps samantha wouldn't have done because she is so kind of gung-ho america F yeah, to quote quote, quote Gwen. (laughs) Well, we're all kind of that way, so. Speak for yourself, so. Living up to the stereotype there, Brian. (laughs) Oh, what a week in politics, too. I know, right? (laughs) I think the only thing, and it it, it is a nitpick, but there was a bit of slightly awkward scripting, or at least I, I felt it a little bit awkward. I had to read it a few times, and I'm not sure if I fully got it where Cap says that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has made backroom deals with threats for centuries. This one time we can make one to do some real good. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't quite clear, like, is she going to make a deal with Castle or the police, like, to get them out of the way? I, I wasn't sure. I got the gist of what she was saying. I, w- I didn't figure out what she was actually going to do. It didn't, it was, the wording was a little strange. So that's really it in terms of an otherwise very solid issue for me. What I took from that sentence was Frank Castle, because that's what she mentions there. It's not going to stop Frank Castle, kind of, is the preceding line to that that little moment there. But I love Frank Castle in this universe, as we discussed last time, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him, hopefully. Whether we'll get more Cap versus Punisher, for want of a better phrase. Sam versus Frank, I'm, I'm up for that as well. But whether that would involve, like you said, whether that is just like a clandestine deal of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of doing stuff behind people's backs backroom deals and stuff like that or it will be a an actual featured on the page kind of thing as well in that scene as well we kind of get the moment where we talked about it with the the miles issue where the cop points a gun at the spider-man and all that sort of stuff and that's again resonating with the, the kind of political and social situation in america right now and we get this beautiful 
shot, the the, the angle that they chose for the, the top panel on that page where Cap and Spider-Woman are talking there, and it's just the almost like Western-style hand hovering over the gun yeah. in front of... And, of course, you've got a African-American hero there as well, so that's another kind of nod, I guess, to the current socio-political situation that we kind of talked about with Miles there as well. Nice catch. So overall, if you had to sum this issue up in, in three words, what would you say? I would go for genuinely heartwarming. Heartwarming is one word, though, isn't it? So yeah. whatever. Let's go, let's go two words. Oh, I'm going to keep it short. Efficient. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to say it's clever, but tricky. Okay. Yeah. And that might be for the, the whole arc. I think this yeah, is... Yeah. Overall, I think it was a successful arc. But like I said, it's not something that's immediately obvious. Like, you got to you gotta engage with it. Yeah, I'm intrigued to go back and read this in trade form and see how it kind of... How the pacing kind of works out then. Because I, I remember talking about that when we had that really fast-paced issue where perhaps that would work a little bit better because the other issues have these slower moments. Maybe this whole kind of first arc will pay off more so, or maybe, be, maybe you know, the bits that, that are a little bit tricky would run a little bit smoother in trade form. I'm not sure. I'd be very intrigued to see how it reads, because I think that's becoming more of a thing in the industry as well. More people are trade-waiting or like reading digitally here and there, but then actually buying physically in trade form. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely been like a, a shift in the industry recently for particularly for things like image comics and, and things like that. Um, so I'll be interested to see how something like this, which is kind of a more of a an independent feeling, more kind of personal superhero story than most. I wonder if this would kind of work in a similar sort of way to a lot of those kind of smaller series that, that work so well in trade form and, and image and things like that. Or if that changes it at all. I'd be, I'd be very intrigued. I'm, I'm interested to pick up the trade when that comes out and see how it how it feels rather than month to month. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys as well. What do you think? Does was this arc a success? Was it was it satisfying issue by issue, or is this one that is just going to work better, as Jack said, overall as a trade? Let us know. So I'd mentioned the cover. This issue is covered by Robert Rodriguez. There was also a very cool variant cover. Marvel was doing a Women of Power themed month, so there was a really cool Mary Jane's variant by Emanuela Lupicino. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we'd like to give it to you in our latest Ultimate Spin contest. Ultimate Spin Contest. So for the contest, we basically want you to send in suggestions for spider-themed band names. And basically, because we've got the Mary Janes here, you can use any spider character if you want to use... Amazing Spider-Man, Silk, Miles Morales, Gwen again, whatever you want to do, send us in your thoughts. You can send them to us on Twitter, on our Facebook page as well. Uh, There will be another contest page on there like we did for the Miles giveaway as well. You have until April the 15th. And as always, this uh, is open to everyone around the world. Even if you've picked up something from us before, we still love hearing from you. So go ahead and let us know your ideas and we'll pick a winner and go from there. I'll be very jealous of the winner as well because that's a really cool cover. And of course, you can get in touch with us. We're at Twitter at The Ultimate Spin and on Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast. Of course, you can visit ultimatespinpodcast.com and click on the Talk to Us button at the top there if you want to get in contact with us. So if you do have something a little bit longer than 140 characters, please do send it to us through the website. We do welcome your iTunes reviews as well. That does help our rankings. 
we will give you a digital comic to say thank you very much for listening and thank you much for reviewing the show on iTunes as well. And as Jack mentioned, my review for this issue is over at superiorspidertalk.com, where you can find my other Spider-Gwen reviews and Miles Morales reviews. How about you, Jack? Um, I am also on the Intercomics podcast, um, which is a weekly show. I host um, our latest episode. We did actually talk about this issue of Spider-Gwen. My co-host, Dan, it was his pick for Book of the Week this week. So if you want to hear a couple of my co-hosts talk about Spider-Gwen as well, come and check us out at IntercomicsPod on Twitter or IntercomicsPodcast.com is the place to go for that show as well. And we also want to give a shout out to Chris Postal, who's provided our music for our Gwen episodes. You can find him over at SoundsLikeAnEarful.com. That's it for us for this month. But coming up, Miles versus his grandmother in Spider-Man 3. And Gwen travels between dimensions to team up with Jessica Drew and Cindy Moon in the first crossover event for the Spider-Women in the Alpha issue. We'll catch you then with the ultimate spin. Thanks for listening. You could drop us a line or find show notes and earlier episodes at www.ultimatespinpodcast.com. Ultimate Spin.